Hello and welcome to The Word Opened with me, Bramwell, from Holness Ministries. This is a weekly podcast opening God's Word, going through verse by verse and looking at what God's Word, the Bible, says. So last week we were focusing on discerning and discerning about those who to support and how the church, the early church, you know, did that. And we looked at other scriptures and things, you know, particularly, obviously, regarding financial support. And I want to come back to this moment before we dig further into the next bit as we look into Acts 5. But remember that the Ecclesia from what we've been looking at, is a body of believers. It's a body of people. It's a group of people who have the same mind. And this is the same mind to be in Christ, to know who Christ is, to believe in the fact that Christ has died and has risen again. You know, that's what this ecclesia is. And so, as we know from Scripture, they become a family and a family support one another. Now, obviously, we are talking about the family of Christ. We are talking about uh, a heavenly kingdom family. We're not talking about a worldly family, because I know that worldly families are broken. Worldly families do not offer support for one another. They do not financially support one another, or they may even support one another, but the support is yeah, is in terms of actually leading them into more sin. You know, we have to be so careful about supplying support to allow someone else to sin. And today, as we look at Acts 5, or part of Acts 5, we're going to see actually how within family this happened and the consequence of that. Let's pick it up from Acts 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sophia his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later, when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. 
Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all who had heard these things. Yeah, we have this fear that comes in and remembering that this comes off the back of what we were talking about last week with the sermon and everything but the fact that we also see at the end of Acts 4 in Acts 4 verse 36 Joseph who sold everything and gave you know Joseph verse 36 was also named Barnabas by the apostles which is translated son of encouragement a Levite of the country of Cyprus having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet you know we see this whole encouragement this whole support giving money to the church to the ecclesia to the apostles to be able to support others and then off the back of that we have the passage that we've read today. First off we see that you know, Ananias and Sapphira have sold something. But in selling it they have kept back part of the proceeds. And Sapphira is also aware of this. You know, it's not just about Ananias who does this. They are both united in this and they are united in keeping back some of the money they're united in not even being truthful about it but united in just handing over a small piece of it they're united to be dishonest God desires unity in marriage, but unity in marriage should not lead to sin. Unity in marriage should be Christ-focused. Unity in marriage is God-driven. It's, it's, it's an obedience, but it's an obedience in Christ. And so a married couple should be united. It is not an excuse for both parties to lie because they are united. If one person is requiring the other person to sin, then you are both bad as each other. We're going to see that a little bit later on. But you know, this is the point. If one person within the marriage is sinning, and the other person is aware of it, they shouldn't follow suit. But they should be speaking out about it. They should be saying, no, I don't agree with it. In fact, if, if, and if that sin continues, I would even say to go as far as saying, actually, there needs to be something dealt with within that marriage. God creates unity in marriage, but it comes defiled by Satan. Satan desires to destroy marriage and also to destroy individuals. This is Satan's desire 
to destroy what God has created, to destroy anything that will lead to a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the Heavenly Father through Jesus. Satan's aim is to destroy all of that. And so in this instance, what we see is Satan coming in to destroy not just a marriage, but to destroy the individuals within that marriage. Look back at Adam and Eve. He desired to bring down Adam and Eve. And the way to do it was through Eve. Eve was used by Satan when he saw his opportunity. And he then used Eve to corrupt Adam. And Adam did not take up his role that God had given him. Both of them let each other down. Adam did not protect Eve in that moment. Adam had also, we know, you know had been trying to protect her, had, had added an extra thing to you, know, you do not touch of the fruit. But yet, when Satan picked that up, he twisted it. And in turn, then Adam succumbs to Satan. And you know, even in, in, in married couples today, and I say married couples because that's obviously you what God has designed couples to be. You know, God has not designed you man and woman to live together without being married. Marriage is a covenant that God has ordained and should be followed. And so God brings marriage and couples will keep each other happy today doing what the world says to do rather than doing what God requires. That's why we see today couples that don't get married they don't get married because they don't want a number of things from it you know, the world says oh you don't need to get married you can you know you can still have x y and z do you know marriage was created so that man and woman could be fruitful and in being fruitful can create in being fruitful can add sex is for marriage it is not for anything outside of marriage but yet we have created it to be something within the world that everybody is entitled to and everybody can do whatever they want with it. That's not what God ordained. 
And so we see that you, Ananias and Sapphira, are together in this. We don't know who thought of the idea. We don't know whether it was an agreement. We don't know whether you know one of them thought it and the other one decided to go along with it. We've got no idea. And it doesn't matter because the thing is that they are both aware of the situation and therefore are both in agreement, which is what goes against God. When Ananias comes in and lays the money at the apostles' feet, it's Peter who challenges. Peter challenges, not in the fact of asking any questions per se about what he's laid down, but the Holy Spirit has clearly spoken to him and given him spiritual wisdom to say that this isn't all. And he then asks Ananias the question, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Peter has recognized that Satan has intervened in this man. And that this man has now got a heart that is not for God, but is actually for money. It's actually, and it goes deeper than that, and we'll look at that in a minute, but it's, you know, if we think about that scripture that says, you know, the root of all evil, money is the root of all evil. It's not money that's the evil itself. It's the desire to have money that creates the evil because money becomes the focus and when money becomes the focus we then desire money and we put money as our god yeah the world is full of this i need x amount of money i need to make x amount of money I need to have more money so that I can have the the holiday, the car, the etc, etc. And we get to a point where money becomes the focus. And when money becomes the focus, we will do anything to gain that money. And nothing else can stop us. Where does that come from? It comes from Satan because our heart has become focused on money rather than focused on God and so the sin comes into the heart and that's exactly the same with us today that sin is in our heart the devil plants sin in our heart and we don't always know how to discern it in fact I would even go down the route of saying we just don't know how to discern it. Our minds and our hearts can be so darkened with sin that we don't even recognize that we're walking it. Remembering that we are walking in sin. We are walking in a sinful world. Our minds are darkened and as the Bible tells us that, it, that people love the darkness. 
Why? Because that's what they naturally walk in. And when they naturally walk in it, their eyes are blind to it, and they're blind to the light. They don't see the light. Jesus is not revealed to them. The sin, the heart, becomes sinful. And what is really upsetting and sad within this is that in Acts 3 and 4, we see the attack from outside the church on the apostles. Here we see the persecution, and we can see that. And we can see that today as well. We can see persecution, you know, other religions persecuting Christians, Christians dying for the faith. Christians struggling to live for whatever reason because people outside of Christianity are attacking them. But here in Acts 5, we actually see something potentially even more dangerous. And that is the threat of impurity within the church within the body of believers we see the threat of hypocrisy within the body of believers the fact that Ananias and Sapphira are demonstrating that they want something and rather than being honest about it they're keeping a little bit back but they're demonstrating something totally different. And you know, this is something that has creeped into our churches today. Ananias and Sophia are imitating that they were giving all. But they were only giving a part. And there are those in the church today who act that they are fully giving everything. That they're committed to this walk. That they, you know, in worship, they fully praise Jesus. Yeah, they go out and they share the gospel with Jesus and, you know, of Jesus. And they show that, you know, oh, this is what it's all about. But behind closed doors, they live a totally different light, life. A life that is totally lying about what they are demonstrating. You know, and this is, this is so sad. Living a life of hypocrisy. Living a life of lies. But the Holy Spirit sees it all. The Holy Spirit sees the lie. It sees the truth. Why? Because it is a spirit of truth. It is not a spirit of lie. And where does this all come from? It comes from the seeking of the approval of man rather than the approval of God, which is pride. Human beings 
have a root of pride in their life, which is from the sinful nature. They naturally want the approval of man, because within the approval of man as they walk the world, they see that man will leave them alone. They want to be the better person. The whole dog-eat-dog sort of situation. And with doing that, they neglect the whole setup of God's kingdom, particularly within humility. Pride has crept into our churches today. But the Holy Spirit sees the truth. There's a corruption where people put themselves on pedestals. They make themselves the bigger person. This is an issue with the ordination of man rather than the ordination of God. We see that man tries to play God. And this is a fundamental weakness within the church. But just as we talked about earlier on, about not seeing it, it's not seen. Eyes are not open to it within the church, and the church just continues to be the same. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that every church is like this. I'm not saying that every church is like this at all. But I'm, I, I, I am saying that there's a large percentage that are like this. They're not demonstrating truth. They're not open they're not you know, humble church leaders put themselves into a bit of bigger place thinking that they lord it over rather than actually coming to a place of serving and being humble yeah and this speaks directly from passage in Matthew 7 yeah, you can do all the work of Jesus and he still doesn't know you. In Matthew 7 verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If we walk a walk that is prideful, that is, is demonstrating hypocrisy, you're being a hypocrite. Your life is not aligning with what you are demonstrating then you are not walking in that obedience to Jesus and he will hear those words. I never knew you. Depart from me, you 
who practice lawlessness. Such a scary place, such a sad place that we see this in our church today. Within those who act as if they are a believer in Christ, but are not following his ways. Peter makes it clear that the money and the possessions was theirs to do as they wished with. They had control of it. When he says, you know, whilst uh, if you keep back part of the, blah, 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 while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? You know, he's saying, you know, you had the power over this. But yet, you gave into your heart you gave into your heart and you've demonstrated that you are giving all when you've actually kept some for yourself and what was the consequence of this the consequence in verse 5 then Ananias hearing these words fell down and breathed his last it's not Peter that kills Ananias Yeah, I've heard a number of sort of reflections around this, but something I, I want to bring up here is remember what the context is. These are believers who have come to Jesus. And if you remember back when we were talking about you know, the whole setup of the ecclesia at the time, there was a fear of the Lord in these people. And I believe that actually within the context of what we're seeing here, Ananias it says, hearing these words, he hears, and I believe within hearing it, he becomes convicted of what he has done. But as he's convicted of what he has done, he dies. And I believe that if we talked about it in worldly sense, he dies of a heart attack. He's so overwhelmed by what he's actually done. And what has he done? But he's committed the unforgivable sin, which in, which Jesus talks about in Matthew 12, verse 32, which is blasphemy against the Spirit. And we talked earlier on and mentioned that the Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is not a lie. The word blasphemy means slander or detraction or evil speaking. And that's exactly what has happened here. Joe, yeah, they've not been honest. They've blasphemed against the Spirit. And in this, as Ananias falls down dead at this moment, then fear came upon all those who heard these things. When they heard about what happened to Ananias, in that moment... They feared. They feared God. Because they saw what had happened. They heard what had happened. And suddenly this guy hasn't even had a chance to repent. But he's died. Joe, we should be living with the same sort of mindset. That we don't want to do anything that will upset God. If we think back to the story of Job, you know, when Satan comes and asks 
to test Job. And God says to him, yes, but don't kill him. God has the ultimate control. Satan is the one who kills. Satan is the one who takes life. But God releases his hand off that to allow it to happen. And so Ananias hears what he hears and he strikes him. He, he, he dies. He breathes his last. Satan has taken his life because God has allowed him to. And the fear of the Lord then comes across the ecclesia again because they recognize that if they're not walking with God and they're not doing what he has asked and commanded and you not walking in that obedience, God can lift his hand off. But then what happens? Peter you know, then sees Ananias' wife, Sophia. She arrives three hours later not knowing what has happened, probably searching for her husband. And Peter says to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. He wants to see if this woman is party to what they have done. Whether she is going to agree to it. And she does. The moment where she could have potentially have got out of this. She unites with her husband. And she says yes. For so much. The hypocrisy. The pride. The root of all evil being money. Is in her as well. And then she dies as well. She breathes her last. Peter recognizes the sin and says she will be dealt with the same way as her husband. They are a couple, they are united. They are supporting one another in the sin and therefore they are judged in the same way. A couple that unites in sin will be judged in the same way. This is why it is so important that you do not provide support, particularly you know, f encouragement or financial support of anything that allows another person to continue sinning. Because the judgment will be on you for them as well as on them. That is what we see demonstrated here. And then we see again a great fear that comes upon all the church. You know, they see God's hand in it all again. 
And I want to plead with you today that as you've listened to this, if we've gone through this passage, you know, it's not about the fact that, you know, it's not about the money per se. It's about the fact that they haven't been truthful and honest. And they have agreed together to not be honest, to not be truthful. They've allowed themselves to say, I want to keep some of this back for myself. And in doing so, they have lied. And they have lied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that sees all. The Holy Spirit that is truth. And this is why we have to walk in truth. As individuals, we have to walk in truth. We have to walk in righteousness. Right standing before God. Walking in what he sets out for us. This is why we have to learn from the apostles' doctrine. How did the apostles walk? It's vitally important that we understand. And so that's why we come together and we learn. We can support one another. We can encourage one another. We can, you know, The Holy Spirit can move. But if we become united in a sin together, we will be judged together on that sin. You know, I'd even go as far as saying that churches that agree to do something in sin will be judged on that sin. You have to be so aware. If you are in a church where you feel that something is not right, if you feel that decisions are not godly, then I encourage you to get out. If you're in a marriage where one part of the marriage is not godly and the other and the person is is not following it through, seek help. Seek spiritual help. You know, these things are serious. And if you're taking, you know, remember, God will not be mocked. This is a, a hard passage, a message to bring this week. It's not one full of joy at all. But it's one of truth. And I would hate to hear and see people that are caught in a sin that are supporting a sin, are walking in the disobedience instead of focused on Jesus, focused on their other half or focused on you know, supporting somebody else in sin. I'd hate to see that. So Lord, I pray that this message this week resonates, is revealed for what it is, Lord, that you will change hearts and minds, Lord, that you'll give boldness to people to stand up. Boldness to stand up for truth. Boldness as well to even admit where they've done wrong. Boldness to walk in line with you and not in line with the world. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, I, I know this isn't a joyful message this week and you it's yeah. It is, it's it's but it's serious stuff. The walk of faith is serious. It's not a playground thing. It's not something we can play with. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of spiritual life and death. And so we have to take it seriously. We have to know and fear that we have done wrong. I want to encourage you today, please take this seriously. Know who he is and walk in his ways and not the ways of the world. And again, you know, as we pick this up next week, we're going to see what actually, you know, just reminding ourselves that Peter knew and in Peter knowing in that spiritual wisdom that had been given to him, he challenged it. Yeah, I just want to add this before we go, actually, that as Peter challenged, you know, people, believers need to challenge other believers if they're walking in that direction. If spiritual wisdom is given to you to see how people are walking, then it needs to be challenged. Because if it's not, then that person is not able to correct their ways. Challenging to walk with Jesus, to change ways so that we can walk with Jesus. Please take this seriously this week because it is a serious message for us to walk with Jesus, in Jesus, to bring others into the relationship with him as well. So until next week, God bless you, stay safe, stay protected, and may you know that you are loved. God bless.